Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, as ever, by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Uh, it's going okay. Um, I sort of embraced our lighter week and watched a lot about a lot of Mad About You, which you can check out on Stars now. Uh, like that started ah. in December apparently, and I just totally missed it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've been watching Mad About You, uh, which has been fun. That show holds up pretty okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah I've I've seen a little bit of it from when it was one? on. I've seen very little. Oh cause... no! I feel like I have a make you watch a thon already. There you go. You can start your scheming. But... Get, get on that. It's seven seven seasons. You'll be fine. Just start now. <laughs> Just start now. I'll be, well, I mean, I already have I'm behind in so much viewing, yeah. Noel, as you well know. I'm so behind. Um, but we did watch a little bit of uh, less than current TV this week. At the end of the show, we're talking about Big, Big Mouth Season 1, which aired last year. Mm-hmm. But so we, we missed it last year. Yeah, I remember felt like uh, during this lighter week, maybe it would be a fun time to go back and re-examine um, something that we missed last year. And also, um, just I don't, I don't feel like watching depressing things right now, because you know, uh, the life and the world. <laughs> and I would much rather spend my energy. Like I got home from work after a very long day, and I and I had American Crime Story and Top Chef and Drag Race on my DVR. I was like. Oh, that's cute. I'm not watching you, Crime Story. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. So, like, the idea of diving in with, like, Altered Carbon or um, the the Phil K. Dick Electric Dreams or the new season, newer, not new, but, like, newer season of Black Mirror, like, all of, like, no, none of that. Let's watch some animated teens and tweens. tweens let's let's yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's coming at the end of the show. We have some TV news we wanted to mention up here uh, at the top of the show. Superstore got renewed for season four, which is very exciting. Woo! That is very mm-hmm. exciting. Um, yeah, I, I haven't been paying attention to NBC's developments late, but I'm I'm glad to see that season that they grabbed a season four for this, which makes me feel confident they'll get a season five. And yeah, yeah. So I but, feel, I feel I feel good about this, and there will be now a whole additional season of me tweeting about how. Jonah and I are too much alike. <laughs> well, I just know better than to make predictions about these things. So I'm yeah. going to keep my mouth shut <laughs> uh, so I don't jinx anybody and just uh, say Crazy Ex-Girlfriend still not renewed yet. So uh, CW, ellipses, get on that. Um, anyways, there is a new sitcom starring Natalie Morales that, that is apparently happening, or at least there's been order to pilot but it's from michael shore and it's based in a bar and i was like i can watch the crap out of natalie, natalie morales as you know sam malone yes please yeah yes I would, I would watch all of that all the time just inject into my eyeballs right now just do it i was gonna say like straight to the eyeballs um also what is this about mcdonald's doing rick and morty like did they not learn they're doing rick and morty again or something they're producing a like massive amount of this sauce Szechuan sauce. Szechuan sauce, correct. Um, to as an apology to the very many angry fans um, that demanded to know where the sauce was and accosted McDonald's employees and 
wrecked, and we're assholes about it. We're assholes about it. And wrecked the restaurant. And now it's just like, well, peace in our time. We've placated the diehard Rick and Morty fans. Nothing bad could ever happen again. And it's just like, oh, McDonald's, you don't understand anything. Um, also, as part of this apology sort of tour, uh, they're doing a three-part podcast series about how everything went horribly wrong last October. And how, yeah, and Gizmodo and I want to say, like, the Onion Network are, like, sponsoring that podcast. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. naturally, naturally, naturally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, no, very exciting for those people who really want sauce. Yeah. And feel like they deserve and are entitled to sauce. Okay, good for them. Okay, I better stop this this <laughs> train of conversation. I'm just going to get obnoxious. So that's not... I, I'm glad that people who like things that I don't care about are going to be happy. And that's fine that I don't care about them. and But they do. And that, there's nothing... There's nothing wrong with that. Wrong but with that. When and... it turns over to destruction of property and verbal abuse of minimum wage employees, then I have an issue with it. Smiles. Yeah. Smiles. Okay. Okay. Um, let's talk about some other fun things. Um, this week I was a guest on the Consequence of Sounds TV Party podcast. Of course, the podcast of uh, Clint Worthington in front of the show, Allison Shoemaker. Um, they do. They have their regular weekly episodes, and then every other week they have a, a special extra episodes. So I was on talking about Allison's top twenty-five. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend songs list yeah. and like just music on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, I was there with, of course, friend of the show, Latoya Ferguson. Uh, it was supposed to be an hour, Noel. It was it was two hours, and they they did some editing, <laughs> they did some trimming to get it there. Um, this is why they shouldn't have me on to talk about twenty five Crazy Ex-Girlfriend songs. <laughs> yeah, but you talk about it so well, and I don't, well, that's very sweet. I don't see a reason why you shouldn't be on like every week. Apart from the fact that you already have a television podcast, please I already me, please please no. Please. Are you kidding? <laughs> I do so much work, but I think they're already doing a terrific job. I certainly enjoy listening, and it was a, a really it was a blast to be on. Like, spoiler alert, Noel Latoya and I are craziest girlfriend opposites because while neither of us like we all like all the music on the show. All the, sh- the songs that I'm like, I don't know, I don't care. It's a stupid song. It's, it's, I don't know why you put on the list. It's stupid. Were all the songs that she loves. And all the songs that that I was like, but, uh, that, that she was like, why? Greg and his white people problems? I was like, but it's so good. So we had lots of fun yelling at each other. It was, it was, it was a good time. So people should go check that out over at Consequence of Sound. Yeah, no, go, go do it. <laughs> For more Crazy Ex-Girlfriend talk, though, of course, we will be discussing the finale. I have thoughts. I'm sure you do, too. Mm-hmm. Do. Um, that'll, be, that'll be coming in our week in TV. Um, but we should, I guess, dive in here. There's, It's a super light week in TV this week. Right. No, it, it's it's the calm before the storm of the Olympics are over. And everything comes back. And everything yeah. comes back next week, plus like a gazillion things premiere. And mm-hmm. then it just like sweeps us into May and we'll just be like castaways talking to <laughs> remote controls that we've made to look like people. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we're going to listen to a little Miracle of Birth from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, which is it's just so good. It's so good, Noel. Yeah, uh, so we'll listen to that and then we'll come back with our week in TV right after this. Of all the mysteries Nothing can compare to the miracle of birth. 
Well, your cervix has been closed and plugged with mucus. But soon that viscous plug will be discharged. It's called the bloody show. And explosive diarrhea means that labor's drawing nearer. And those sharp, painful contractions cause your cervix to enlarge. Beautiful. Then you'll race your ass over to the hospital. Where they'll strap you in for the hell ride of your life. It's what your body's made for. You'll soon be in so much pain that you'll probably exclaim, Please just kill me now, Dr. Dula or midwife. Again, that was Donald Champlin uh, with the Miracle of Birth from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's finale this week. We'll be talking about that at the end of the segment, but to kick things off, we're going to dive in with Top Chef Colorado's Sunday Supper. Then we'll head over to Drivers All-Stars Pop Art Ball. Then, Noel, you caught up with Star Wars Rebels Jedi Knight in Doom, which it came back, right, from a hiatus mid-season premiere? Yeah, um, well, not mid-season premiere, but more like um, end-of-the-season premiere. Um, <laughs> they have like two these two, two more, and then, like, three more episodes left. So two plus two plus three plus one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thing. They're almost done, basically. They're done by the end of the... They're done by the beginning of March. Okay. Okay, that, yeah, that'll be coming soon then. Um, then we'll both talk about the finale for The Amazing Race. It's just a million dollars, no pressure, and we'll round things out with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's finale, Nathan is Irrelevant. So first up is Top Chef Colorado, uh, Sunday Supper. And uh, I gotta say, I did not anticipate... Like we talked about this last week. I did not anticipate the elimination we got here, but I did really like this challenge. I always like at the, you know, right before the finale, they do the family all comes to visit challenge. And usually that that ends up with really good food, really beautiful food for us, but like apparently very delicious food as well. And uh, I thought that the dishes they came up with, well, surprisingly very pasta based uh, for everyone. A lot of pasta. (laughs) We're we're apparently like some of the best of the season. I, I every time they say that though, I just feel like it's more of a commentary on the fact that it's been a lackluster season for food. Yeah. Like not for drama. I've been invested in mo- many of these chefs. I like these chefs, but mm, compared to some of the other seasons, the judges have not been that enthused. Yeah, I think you're correct in that this the, their um their excitement about the dishes this week uh, says more about everything else that came before than maybe necessarily about the dishes themselves this week. And that's fine. I'm glad that they've really cooked a lot of dishes. I'm glad that basically it came down to the fact that, well, maybe if you just put like a little bit of sauce at the bottom of it, mm-hmm. then that that's it. That's all you could have done. And then we would have probably picked someone else, I guess, is like how that sort of went down for Gary. Um, so which I'm sure Carrie will always now add sauce to everything. Thank you. Now she has a complex about it, Tom. She has a complex about it. Well, I mean, it's beef stroganoff, right? A big part of beef stroganoff is, is that, is, yes, is the oh, cream-based, okay. you know, beef sauce. Have you had beef stroganoff? I don't eat red meat. Okay, well, so then no. Uh, but no, imagine, I- like, um, the cream and mushroom soup, right? But sure. you've But you've cooked the beef or whatever in that. Um, and, or maybe there's beef stock and that kind of thing. So like you have, it's a, it's a beef sauce, but it's also kind of creamy and stuff. So like, that's a, it's that with strips of beef and noodles. Like that's what beef stroganoff is. So to not have, yeah, Noel's making a face, everyone. And that's like, 
the face I was making, well, I, cause my, you know, I grew up with beef stroganoff as well, being, you know, a Midwestern person with lots of, yeah. uh, uh, various, um, all the, all the people who burn in the sun heritage in my, in my culinary history. So lots of lasagna, lots, lots of, yeah. uh, lots of, uh, different, uh, Germ- Germanic stuff. And there are some Polish in there as well. Um, but so beef stroganoff is certainly one that, that I had growing up. Um, but, it's not at all what I think of when I think of elevated food or like, I was like, how do you make beef stroganoff elevated? Not that it can't be delicious. Don't get me wrong. But that's like saying, how do you elevate lasagna? It's sauce noodles and like some, maybe some veggies and then, and then beef and cheese. Like it's delicious. Don't get me wrong. My family, many people in my family make delicious lasagna nom 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 all of it in my face please but that's not like that's a trick to to make that a high level thing so i was not i like when they when they put the food down and they said what the challenge was gonna be i was like oh poor carrie but apparently she she crushed it i do think though that the sauce is a like a signature it'd be like if you had gumbo and there wasn't any rice or there wasn't uh okra or there wasn't like some of these like big parts of what gumbo is um I say not having really only having had gumbo a couple times, but the the point being, uh, I was like when she didn't have that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Even if I don't do feel like they're really having to be picky. I, I think when you don't, when the whole point is that you want it to be a really straightforward challenge to, to challenge them to rise above everybody else, the challenge then comes if they all do, <laughs> you know, like it means they didn't t- ask them to do enough. Right. So yeah. that, people they could shine on multiple things but the whole point was they wanted to give them a a really straightforward challenge to let them have a lot of control over it and a lot of personality Uh, but then they all did a really good job and it's hard to send someone home on that so yeah i do think including the the game was a really neat touch and that was something i thought was uh added a level of of personality and specificity to carrie's dish that i thought i felt like should have gotten a little more uh love from the judges but you know they're the ones who ate it, so they there's three pasta dishes, and the <laughs> three pasta dishes were the ones in the bottom, and hers was the worst pasta. So you know, fair enough, hard to argue with that. I I, I do find it interesting that the way of elevating things is to put it in pasta, mm-hmm. and that that suddenly makes everything much more high class. To which I promptly go, that doesn't seem correct. <laughs> yes, normally I would agree, but I think. For beef stroganoff, rather than a pile of noodles with that beef cream sauce and strips of beef, that's what it would normally yeah. be. So the way I think that Carrie definitely did, but yeah. the others, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. And I think it also I'm not points sure doing like a lasagna like roll. Yeah, is more <laughs> yeah with the sauce on the side. Yeah, I think it also speaks to after starting with such an interesting and diverse set of chefs and set of cuisines that they focused on, it really right. highlights where we've ended up, you know, at yeah. the end of the season. And um, I mean, I still feel like this is uh, Sasto's to to lose, mm-hmm. um, but they're definitely making a strong edit for Adrian. So, it, you know, like the last couple episodes. Um, so we'll yeah. see what they do. Uh, any any hopes or concerns for the these chefs in their last episodes we have the the finale i guess is a two-part finale or are they doing because they're going to the food wine classic but there's three of them normally it's only two yeah no they have the food wine classic and then i think someone else gets eliminated and then they have the finale between the final two okay um 
yeah, so we'll see. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know that I'm necessarily feeling anything either way right now, in part because, like you said, about sort of the way that um, the types of dishes have sort of, like, leveled off in terms of perspective. Yeah. That sort of limits a degree of my engagement in what they're doing. And uh, so I can't get excited about, like, the like Chris's creativity that was really front and center for a long time. Um, so, may, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to get excited about from these folks anymore. And that's, I think Adrienne's like the one I'm most excited about since the show's given her su- such a soft presentation edit until, like you said, just really, really recently. And so, and even like the talking head segments of going like, oh right, she's a good chef, and it's just like. <laughs> Yes, she is. <laughs> I would hope so. Or why is she here? Yeah. So, no, I don't know what I'm hoping for. I'm just sort of hoping... I'm looking forward to the season being done. I think um, I am, like, top chef out, as I sometimes tend to get um, with the show. So I'm sort of ready for maybe a break. Yeah. And a little bit of one, yeah. Yeah, that's a good transition over to RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, because... It was announced this week that... Season 10 comes back, like, in a month. And I'm just like, good lord, people, pace yourselves. It's going to be back-to-back, yeah, with All-Stars. So they'll have All-Stars, and then the next week, they will start with Season 10. They've announced the cast. Uh, Of course, there's a Chicago and Chicagoland girl. I'm very excited that there is one queen from Chicago. It's a very New York-heavy cast. Um, But certainly, I know we were leery of of, of All-Stars and just Drag Race in general fatigue last year because they did that last year um going from all-stars to season nine and there was a little gap but not much before all-stars season three here um how are you are you uh drag raced out yet because like the season hasn't been as as strong or are you interested for a new batch of queens i'm interested in a new batch of queens but i also feel like if that new batch doesn't pretty much grab me within like one or two episodes i will Mm -hmm. immediately just go I'm going to watch something else. Catch um, up with you later, yeah. Yeah, I'll catch up with you later, or if Kate tells me that <laughs> the show is like, no, 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 you have to come back in, and I will come back in. But, it, like, this is what I sort of ran into when we you had me, when we did a Make You Watch-a-thon with it um, two years ago, where I was just like, I watched three seasons, and then we dived right in with another season of either All-Stars or yeah. a regular season, and I just went, I'm so exhausted by this format. <laughs> the challenges are all the same. And while I appreciate that, they're all the same. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, that's going to also hinge on this, but I will, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I was glad for like a little bit of difference this week on all stars. It was just like, you guys have to make shit. And I'm just like, Oh, this is great. And then people who don't know how to make shit win. And I'm just like, Oh, this is, this is not great. <laughs> this is not great. No one said anything. So yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, let's start with what, I mean, and I really, I just have to give props to the Tom Lorenzo Pop Style Opinion Fest, uh, because normally I don't read any reviews or listen to anything talking about the shows we're talking about until after we've recorded our things, but I did listen to their episode this morning, and I think they absolutely nailed it. (laughs) Um, As one of their listeners said on Twitter, you guys read that episode for filth, and it was wonderful. Um... As they said, and I absolutely agree with my very limited knowledge of this, what a waste of Andy Warhol. Like, mm-hmm. this is your theme, and this is the best you can do? This like it's, The mini challenge nothing. was terrific. I really liked the mini challenge. But it's fine. 
but like for a mini chapter, I thought it worked well, and it, it was interesting to see the quick drag and the the you know the, who was best at capturing the like like other people had more beautiful pictures, but Aja's was the one that was the most Warhol and that really fit that aesthetic best, and that's why she won. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting to see the level of like when they do quick drag and they know it's a, a close up, they're like, okay, nothing <laughs> below the neck, you know, like they're just so. It was it was interesting to see what what the different queens came up with for that. But then the soup can thing was like was just very confusing to me because they didn't spend any time like we didn't see them sit down with the things that were clearly designed on a computer and printed out and didn't see them design that with whoever actually did the designing because those queens did not do that um like why did they choose those color schemes why did they choose those fonts like that kind of if they want if you want me to get invested in your branding challenge then make that the challenge, but instead it was it was like the branding challenge, but also the crafting challenge the same week. Those should be two separate weeks, and then they can get more time and focus on each of the different elements. But then the sewing challenge, I mean, first of all, you know I love Shanji, but what? No, just no, that's not okay. And I know that uh, Asha's look was not was not disco. But it was a good look. She looked it was a very good look. She looked really good. And why was she eliminate I me? Mean, like I, but it was between her and Shangela, and Shangela's done better. That's why, yeah. you know, they they sent Aja home. But like, why was she in the bottom? But Bendela's like real basic. Like, look, I mean, just based on because this is a crafting challenge. So what's more important, disco and disco aesthetic or? craft and i thought it should have been craft what did you think no it absolutely should have been craft i mean like bendel's look was like you said just very basic and i mean they discussed this it's just like well we expect more than just a hundred from you and i was just like yeah but she didn't give you a hundred this week guys that's not a hundred at all no so i'm I'm really confused about where, where your priorities are with this and so it was really frustrating and then i was just really frustrated also by the fact that um, BB won with mm-hmm. a very good-looking outfit, but one that she apparently, based on the edit, had a fair amount of help with. Yeah, from <laughs> Aja. Yeah, from Aja that she then eliminated, and it's just like, oh, this is yeah. terrible. And also, no one said anything, and it's just like, this is not great. This is not a good look for anyone right now. No. <laughs> then there's other questions. Also, like, if, if Aja got got read for having not period-appropriate hair, what about Bendela? Right, what which it? was more in, like, a 50s sort of vibe, I felt. Or yeah. Even, even, like, the general aesthetics felt sort of Motown 50s as opposed to 70s. Yeah. If, 70s, look over what Kennedy was doing, right? She yeah. She nailed that look, and, like, down to the glitter lips and everything, too. Like... Anyway, so I have mm, thoughts on that. Um, and especially, I, I just think they really needed to not do branding and, like, especially because the last several weeks have been very, like we were talking about last week, very uh, comedy-centered and focused on, on, on that element. Um, this, if they had made a brand, the branding challenge be its own week, I think that would have helped split up the comedy things a little better mm-hmm. and, and really let them spotlight and feed like have Rue walk around the room and talk about the branding with them. Like make, yeah. that's a big part of this show and of, you know, their jobs trying to get out there and get bookings. I mean, it's a big part of it. And, and that easily could have merited its own episode. Um, but we should talk a little bit about some of the various theories as to why maybe we didn't hear 
about Aja helping BB, and that is uh, with all this Handmaid's Tale stuff. Now, are you up on the various scheming and theories? No, I'm. I the show is like the show, like everything else. I'm like totally unaware of. So please tell me. Okay, well, one of the the theories. Um, and I heard about this from a TV party with, you know, friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker. Alison was talking about this there, that um, BB is a plant okay, and isn't actually in competition. And until this episode, she was always in the middle and didn't really get much comments from the judges, which really supported that. Now, I feel like this week, everybody else just didn't show up. And that's why, like, they couldn't not. If she is a plant, it's like they couldn't not reward her for her look compared to the other looks on the table there but um but the idea being that with all this handmaid's tale stuff and under his eye and all that stuff that there is an eye in the workroom and that it's bb um as a previous winner um and also my which i as soon as i heard people talking about i was like oh that makes so like i was like why the handmaid's tale things like oh that's why that makes sense also, I, I I've uh, I read one thing somewhere that got me thinking on along this line. Um, having the queens come back for their revenge. What if they pivot and it's a oh goodness, what is it called in in Handmaid's Tale where the where the handmaids do the punishing right? Yeah, and they stone yeah, yeah. the person. What if that that those three queens turn into some sort of panel who decides who gets eliminated? Instead of the legacy, judges. the judges or the winners, yeah. what if there's some sort of element with that as well? And rather than bringing someone back in, they give the eliminated queens the opportunity to like vote someone out or something like that. I was surprised to only see three of them there. Yeah, I was too. Because I, I was like counting my head. I just went, oh, wait, we've eliminated more than three. That's- people just not want to come back well i could see especially thorgy and milk being um less than enthused to come back but i still think for either one of them they would they understand what this show means for them uh for their work and for their you know strengthening and reaching out to their fan base so i would be surprised that they would turn that down despite you know feeling bitter about how they were eliminated so Mm -hmm. I don't know. We will we will see, but we could tell. I mean, it was Chi-Chi up there because there was, yeah. you know, there was a black queen up there. And with the tats, you could see that it was Aja. So then the question is of who the third is and if there's a reason there were only three. I would not be surprised if BB is is an I. I think that just if, if not, then everyone watching is going to be like, oh, why you should have done that. It's <laughs> such a good call. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so then that makes you have a judging panel and, and, and BB also has been, it feels like she's, and maybe this is just people reading into it, you know, watching with this perspective, but it feels like she's very much like watching what everybody's doing and like taking notes, you know, and keeping track of the different dynamics in the workroom. Uh-huh. Um, Cause she says something about last week in the, one of the talking heads, all eyes are on Aja now, or, you know, all mm-hmm. eyes, you know, like everybody's watching to see how she's going to step, into this new role and she's really progressed but is she you know like that kind of a thing um so yeah do you have any thoughts on this well i I think that my immediate thought is to ask whether or not this is like way too scripted oh it's super scripted yeah well i'm but i'm saying like too scripted for Mm -hmm. like this sort of a reality competition program where things are controlled and influenced but like 
this is like a deeply sort of like we we planted someone in here for this big mid-season twist mm-hmm. and the degree to which that feels organic to the competition or just feels like a gimmick i, I have questions about okay provided like it all plays out mm-hmm. as people are theorizing that it will okay so that would just be so for you it's a matter of execution right Okay. Rather than just like, well, if they are going to do this, fine. Let's see how this plays out then. Um, and but if they don't, then I, they're just riding on the fact that Handmaid's Tale was like super popular, and want to make sure that they have that present in their discussions about or representations about this sort of camp femininity and that kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, are you excited to see people back next week? Yes, I am. Um, I I do always enjoy when that happens on reality mm-hmm. competition shows. She's like, "Oh, people are back. <laughs> we thought they were gone. Damn it!" <laughs> um, so I was I always enjoy that, that that brings a little bit of tension for at least that week's episode. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Are you? Yeah, I, I am. I feel like if it is just Chichi and uh and Aja, and then maybe say Morgan Michaels, mm-hmm. um, then. I will, I question mark eyebrow, you know, like I, because they, because they were the last two to leave. We haven't had time to miss them, you know, in the way, and and they have less reason, certainly Chi Chi, to be upset for being eliminated and to need their revenge. And Chi Chi's self aware enough to know that it's just like, not a big deal that I left. <laughs> yeah, like I was out of my depth and it was better for yeah. me to leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas Thorgy and uh like like Thorgy was eliminated saying, like, I'm gonna just like mess these ladies up, you know, like I I'm gonna come back and just be causing trouble and not you know, people come back and they're all polite and nice. And she's like, I'm just gonna mess with people. Uh so I, just missing the drama potential for that seems like it would be uh a bit of a waste. I, I did, um, I was curious about Untucked because the announcement that season 10, there's going to be 90 minute episodes with a half hour Untucked airing immediately after. So it's going to be like a two hour block for the season 10. Um, I was curious about why they're doing Untucked for All Stars and they are not. However, what I have really enjoyed finding is like they do these like little like 10 minute long behind the scenes videos okay. and it's the queens who were not eliminated eating <laughs> after the are So it's hilarious because they're like, half in and half out of their drag, uh, like snarfing pizza and ribs and stuff (laughs) and talking. And it's super chill and relaxed. And so that was, that was really interesting and fun to see. And then the first part, and then it goes, there's an ad for uh, RuPaul's uh, DragCon. And then there's um, like the goodbye stuff with the eliminated queen as well. Um, So, so people who are curious, um, I know for me, that was like, Oh yeah, you never do see the meeting. Like watching the queens just like, you know, after being so, like, of course, they aren't eating anything for the hours that they're in They're you know, that you don't want to mess up anything that you're wearing yeah. um, or your makeup or anything like that. So, like, they, they're all starving <laughs> and, like, fighting over pizza and stuff. I was like, oh, this is awesome to see. <laughs> <laughs> and Kennedy brings her own hot sauce, <laughs> has learned to not trust the seasoning of the Hollywood people because <laughs> they don't know how to season. It's delightful. It's very good. Yeah, so so there's some gems there. Anyways, um, I have to. I, well, I haven't watched this week's uh, behind the scenes yet. I will. I will seek that out later. Uh, I'm just. I'm also looking forward to all the speculation around, like all the 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 handmade stuff just being done. So for even just for that reason, yeah, 
I'm looking forward to next week. Um, how about for you? Were you looking forward to Star Wars Rebels coming back uh, with Jedi Knight in Doom? And like, fill me in. How's the show? I mean, I've never, I've never watched any of it. Uh, I know a lot of people like it, but uh, you know, you have here Kanan. Is it? Did I pronounce that right? Very yeah. exciting. I'm guessing. Is that a? Is that a person? Yeah. No. Um. It's the uh, Jedi um knight slash padawan um who survived the um who survived the uh, jedi purge uh during the clone uh immediately after the clone wars um and he's voiced by freddie prince jr and um spoiler alert i'll just pause for a quick second they killed him (gasps) wow okay yeah yeah they killed him in uh jedi knight uh episode 10 and it was it was really sad. Like I, I am not nearly as invested in this show or like this show as much as I enjoy um, Star Wars Clone Wars. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with just sort of being on Disney XD and Disney having significantly probably more input in what the show does than Cartoon Network did on um, Clone Wars, which my understanding was Cartoon Network just didn't do anything, and we're just like, yeah, no, we'll take this show, please. Um, and that is not, hasn't been the case. So it's resulted in a lot of like, for me, a lot of really bumpy storytelling, um, across narrative arcs and just general sort of inconsistency in presentation type stuff and storylines that never really felt really resolved in a lot of ways or satisfi- satisfyingly resolved. But this season has really focused on driving home and setting up a lot of the stuff that would lead into like Rogue One and lead into A New Hope. Um, as like various rebel cells sort of come together, um, and that plays a large part in the overall group's uh, dynamics. Um, so that part has been sort of interesting. So there's been a lot more like interplay with like rebel alliance politics and that kind of thing. Um, but the show as a, as a whole, and I'm probably not going to discuss it like when it ends, depending on how like how busy our schedule is, just hasn't been as consistent or as engaging for me, which isn't a deny the fact that watching Kanan get blown up um, by the Lothal uh, governor um, on fuel tanks while he's holding back flames using a force push and then pushing away all his comrades with the force as well so that A, yeah. they get to safety, but B, um, they actually complete the mission because by blowing up the fuel cells, they stop the production of a new TIE fighter that they've been like working to destroy and stop in some capacity for most of this season. And so by sacrificing himself, he made sure that the mission got completed. And it was a really big emotional moment. He's been blind for like a season and a half, and his eyesight came back naturally just as he's about to die. He does an important haircut thing um, (laughs) right before he goes out on this mission. It's all very like, oh, we're going to kill him. (laughs) Sort of like narrative steps that are happening. But it's still like really affecting because I really like Kanan more so in relation to Hera who's the crack pilot um, and along with Sabine, like my two favorite characters that have spoken common dialogue as opposed to droid dialogue from Chopper, who's the best. Mm -hmm. But um, it was just deeply emotional um, as sort of a just thing that happened on a show that for me hasn't been like deeply emotional in a lot of ways. So Doom uh, deals with the fallout all of that. And I really appreciated that the show had the time and the space to do that. So Hera hangs out with Chopper a lot and discusses like 
how she was really frustrated by the fact that she never really confirmed like relationship status with Kanan, yeah. to, which was something that had been running throughout the entire series. But I felt was just being underplayed by the fact that they were on XD and they just weren't allowed to be like really explicit with how the emotions yeah. were or like the status of the relationships. And it was just like, oh, no, two adults didn't bother to like really hash this out over multiple years. Okay, type of thing. But it was still sort of like really affecting again. And then uh, Ezra, who's ostensibly the main character of the show like does some force wandering with some lethal wolves and it's very Jedi spiritual type stuff and it's fine. Sabine and Zeb basically like kind of decide to take the fight to the Empire and stage like a raid and it gets really a little dark and violent because Zeb just starts beating up on this um, um, alien bodyguard that belongs to the Grand Admiral Thrawn character that I was really excited about that they were introducing. And just, like, starts really wailing on him and just, like, they have to, like, pull him back and, like, prevent him from killing him, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's really nicely dark moment for a show that's really has struggled consistently to find that sort of line to, like, go to, um, that which is something Clone Wars never really had an issue with, I felt like. And so... Doom's probably one of their strongest, stronger episodes, and I really enjoyed, like, how emotionally driven it was. So I really liked both of these episodes a lot, um, even if they don't necessarily make up for the show itself generally being sort of inconsistent. Um, but yeah, it was just a really good sort of comeback in with the final, like, six, eight episodes um, that we're gonna, going to get in before the show wraps up. Yeah. Well, that's just like you just describing that. I I was like invested. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that sounds like that was really good and like really sad. And oh, and yeah. I don't. I've yeah. never seen the show, <laughs> so that speaks to to how compelling it must have been. So yeah, I'm glad you had some good episodes. Sorry, yeah, me too. Required to get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, because that, that explains why everybody's talking about Freddie Prince Jr. All of my uh, like mm-hmm. animation people I follow were talking about that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'll maybe we have to tune in. Is this something I could just jump in on? Um, I mean, probably, maybe. Um, like right now, do you want to jump in? Um, I don't know if it's a good call. Well, because like next week, also everything's back, so I won't right, have any everything's time. Everything's back, so you won't have any time. I mean, it's. I, I can, like, look at episodes if you want and, like, maybe pick out a spot for you to come in on. Um, but I think sampling and jumping around is probably the best way to go. Or just, if you see that the episode is about Sabine, you should watch it because Sabine's, like, the best character for me. Anyway. Yeah. She's really delightful. And the, sh- the show's uh, producers and writers, um, many of whom came over from Clone Wars, have always been really invested in like Mandalorian politics and that sort of thing, which was a big part in the Clone Wars television series for a number of reasons. But it plays a large part um, in the tail end of the show's run regarding Sabine as an exiled Mandalorian. And it's, and that those episodes have always been really strong, I think. Um, But the show as a whole just, again, suffers from like narrative choppiness of like, We've introduced some big bads, but we never really do anything with them and meh type of thing. And that's sort of like been the show's biggest downfall is like there's never been like really compelling antagonists and really consistent antagonists, I feel like. And you kind of need that in a show like this where there's not a large scale ongoing conflict like there was with the Clone Wars to drive a lot of self-contained story action. 
it, it it does so often come down to having a villain worthy of the heroes you spent time and energy creating. So, yeah. Okay, well, let's move on. I think that's a good place to pivot over to the Amazing Race finale. It's just a million dollars, no pressure. And I'm trying to tell myself that the reason I was so underwhelmed and disappointed in and by this this finale was not just that the villains won, um, but also I feel like the last episode of construction, the final challenge construction, was very poor. Like yeah. I, I, I like the the challenges they had at the end really did not work in anything approaching a satisfying manner i liked the the second to last episode but the san francisco episode i mean come on uh how did you feel about about the both parts the the second to last episode and then the the final episode um in san francisco right so i agree with you like leg 11 which is um from thailand to hong kong Mm -hmm. um i think is really good i think and um on like a number of levels um um, from the challenges that were presented to just the general sort of like drama that was very present in like 11 mm-hmm. and also seeing the stress of the competition really start to get to people um, and which comes through again in like 12 to a certain extent, but it's really present in like 11. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that because it genuinely felt like the show was, the season was finally living up to the whole We've got hyper-competitive people here. And this is what happens when hyper-competitive people get really stressed out, is that they just start, like, getting very, very stressed and focused. And, I mean, you see that with IndyCar, just, like, being like, we can't. This is ridiculous. A, they're destroying our fingers. We need our fingers. (laughs) (laughs) And B, just, like, they've been really cool and collected for basically the entire run. And then they just basically sort of imploded in, like, eleven. And it was really, it was really compelling television. But then, like twelve, it's just like, oh, so we're gonna kayak, and none of you thought to like look for the only two, one team thought to look for the number originally, and then we're gonna go really quickly make fortune cookies for a reason because mm-hmm. we're in Chinatown, and then we're gonna run around the USS Hornet, and then like you said, we're gonna have a really bizarre poorly constructed sum up sort of challenge that they always have, but isn't really interesting to watch, which is why so much of it's like edited to hell mm-hmm. and time lapse. It's just like, there's no compelling sort of problem solving that visually you can represent as opposed to like watching people shift things around on boards or organize things. It's just like you made little decals on fake planes. That's yeah. not very good television. No, it's not. Well, and in the the other challenge, I mean, it was the theme, I guess, was San Francisco, but they could have done a lot better with that. And also, I think they knew that they wanted to film it in the middle At of night. the night right. so that people couldn't spy and see who the last teams were and have it get spoiled. You know, like, yeah, I think that's it was a production reason for that. But right. then what that meant is that, like, everything is closed. Yeah. So they they that's why they ended up with the challenge that they did. It had to be stuff that they could rent out, and that wouldn't draw too much attention, and that really limited them. Yeah. Um, the the you could have done. I mean, also having last year's baseball park challenge be such a good challenge uh, in the finale at Wrigley. It was it was at Wrigley, right? Where they had to, or was it at Comiskey? 
Anyways, uh, in I don't think I watched the last season. So. Yes, you, yes, you did because it was when oh. it, it was in Chicago. Yeah. We talked about it. Okay, <laughs> I okay. think so. They had to they had to like change the numbers on the scorecard. Oh, and they had right, the walkie talkies. Right, right, right. yeah, 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 I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good challenge. It required both of them being very focused and and uh, and and involved, and it required com excellent communication and like all these different elements to it. And this was uh, find a statue, don't look at the statue, and notice the six sixty, and then paddle a kayak. They've been paddling kayaks like like three times, three times this season. Yeah, and then they did the fortune cookie thing, which would have been interesting if it wasn't literally do this repetitive motion as soon as you get the repetitive motion down there's nothing else to see here you know like it wasn't like fold a, a fortune cookie over and you have to make x number perfect in a row you know it wasn't like there was it was just a straight up time crunch um so that wasn't interesting and then the final challenge of the plane was walk around this plane searching for stuff which there's not a lot of drama in that. There's only you can only make that so dramatic because they have to be very methodical. So if they're running around like crazy, which is more exciting to watch, they'll miss stuff and mess up. So that's not interesting and to also, watch. Camera crew is going through a decommissioned battleship. Not the not the easiest thing in the world. No, no. And so that that I'm assuming affected where they could hide things. And yeah. then, first of also also they didn't have the requirement apparently this season that both teammates have to have equal challenges okay, good so i wasn't going crazy when you were I was not like, when Jessica cody did everything done nothing she's done like, nothing nothing they required that if you did whoever did the the right climbing thing the other one had to do the thing so right, that they but, both had to contribute but okay, like no because i no. was wondering about that because i was like i was watching this leg and going like wait she hasn't done anything, right? I'm not. I'm maybe I'm forgetting no. something. I'm probably forgetting something. This season's been really compressed, and I'm probably laugh, probably missed something. But I've she's was also done like look. a couple, but she has but not done she anywhere had near. To, like do them, do them because they're like you're partnered with someone. Yeah. Or she, I don't. Or she was partnered with him. Jessica was yeah. partnered with him. Yeah. The the ones that you do together. Yeah. You know, where they both have to do it. He carried he carried right. her and did all yeah. of it, like the frogs yeah. or like the, the yeah. yeah, like so there's that adding to our perception of it as well. But then at the end, because they, they only let one of the two do it to force both team members to contribute, I get that. But then there's no communication, there's no problem solving, it's just watching three people in silence work on this thing and just look like it's not interesting or compelling at all if they can talk to each other if they can like you know like work it out and figure it out then at least there's something for us to be invested in and then they have like three different stations and you have to like run over to a centrally located judge for the check like okay fair enough but then it also is just immediately not um energetic or, or just there's there's no energy because they've as soon as the first team solves it they're, yeah, they've it's won done. it's yeah, done no. it's over it's not interesting no to finish them there's no reason at all to finish them. Uh, and there's that little bit of drama when they show that Henry has it complete. Right. But and that's, then second that's guess. for us. That, but that's, like, that's it. You know? It, so it just, it was a very, like, I thought the plane challenge itself, or, like, this notion you have to put together a puzzle that represents um, this journey and that there are multiple options. Like, I thought that that was fine. But, but having it be in the pitch black in the middle of the night didn't help. Not letting them talk didn't help. 
and, and having it be the kind of thing where if they even talk out loud to them, then they're giving hints because they're so close together. They're giving hints yeah. to the other people. So, like, no one's going to do that. They can't even, like, take us along on their intellectual journey. And we can't see where the, the stickers are. So we can't even follow along at home, you know? Yeah. Like, if they had put some sort of, like, a decal over the thing or, like, outlined them in, so that we knew which ones they were doing, then we could follow, you know, their journey to figure out which ones. It was just really unsatisfying. And maybe that's the answer for why they compressed this season and start. They, they got to the end filming. They're like, this is not going to be a great season. We need to just turn it out. Yeah, that could be it. Um... Yeah, no, it was just deeply unsatisfying. And I was also really dissatisfied with how um, Leg 11 wraps up with Henry and Evan winning. But then the prize is nothing. Yeah. You get you get to go to the last leg. And um, but I was just like, oh, so they get to ride like the fancy business class thing. That's nice. Oh, they all get to ride the fancy business class. That doesn't seem like anything that they just yeah. won. You didn't give them anything cool. Yeah. Or like a trip somewhere or anything like that. It was just, no, we we, we kind of ran out of stuff. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You guys have come back from so much and we don't have anything for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think though, because I don't imagine that they will be popular enough to get brought back for another shot. You know what I mean? Right. Even though we both love them very much. We like them, but I don't (laughs) think they're popular overall. Um, Yeah. Do you think there's anybody from this season who will get, like, another crack at it in a future, like, all Um, returning? Maybe the IndyCar team. um, Yeah. I feel like we'll probably be, like, the most likely. Yeah. Um, Them or um, Ocean Rescue. Ocean Rescue. I could see them doing yeah it. i think they could probably I, I think bringing ocean rescue back would be like a big thing for them and i i think that would probably be the most likely thing to happen and they could um, do like a honeymoon narrative after the wedding right. exactly exactly so yeah. yeah no cody did six jessica only did seven road only did three roadblocks the entire time yeah Ooh, and that's agree. some bullshit that's yeah. that's total bullshit that that used to be a very strict policy right like, yeah you no, had I to do that So I don't know why they changed that. Maybe they took a look at at, at their team, but that's why they won. Yeah, no, it's totally why they won. If she had to pull her fair share, then they would not possibly have won. Because anytime there was a physical challenge, it's like, well, you have a tiny, very fit, but a tiny woman, and you have a super built former Marine. I wonder who's going to do all of the physical challenges. And especially because it was such weighted physical season there were yeah. several notable puzzles don't get me wrong i liked right. the, the there were several that were challenges very specifically tailored to um people who are, are more intellectual or more creative and problem solving but still like ugh. anyways i i like to think i'm not just bitter because the villains won but oh i'm very bitter the villains won i i mean i tweeted that i yelled no at my television screen <laughs> and I really did, Kate. Like, I yelled a very loud Luke Skywalker no at my television screen when Cody and Jessica finished. And I just went, oh, no. Because it was, I was like, anyone but them. Anyone but them. I'll be fine with Team Extreme. They're yeah. delightful, but bland. It'll be fine. It's like, but, even just like top five, like, I, like, yeah. IndyCar are bro but you know, there's a nice yeah. narrative there, and they seem yeah. fine when they're not yeah. around the Big Brother people. Yes. Um, Ocean Rescue would have been great. Like, literally anyone but 
right now, literally anyone else would have been and great. It's, it's not even Cody. It's just Jessica. She yeah. just, like, this did not bring out the best in her. Uh, so, anyways. Well, to be fair, anyone that's on Big Brother. <laughs> anyways, let's move on. Let's move on to our last episode, and that's the Craziest Girlfriend finale. Nathan is irrelevant. And, listeners, you all know how much we love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Keep that in mind. I liked part of this finale, and sure. I thought a lot of it, despite really interesting thematic developments and really terrific performances. I thought a lot of it didn't work and I am not super thrilled about some of the choices in this finale. And it's something that the show has struggled with in the past. Um, And this they're, they're after creating such a fully realized world, at least to me with very uh, cohesive internal consistency and logic to then throw that out the window to uh, just sort of tie things up quickly um, and conveniently in this finale uh, was very unsatisfying. It's, just, it's some things that they've, they've done that in the past before as well, where you need to really go with them because yeah. they back themselves into a corner. But um, while I think there's a lot they can do next season, if there is a next season with and the way this ends. Be. I feel really confident will be one but yeah and i'm not allowed to have an opinion um no you're not i am (laughs) you are you are um but like that it's just full of problems and holes at the end like you can drive several mac trucks through the problems at the end i didn't like the big speech i I love the intention and the themes and the meaning and the thought process behind the speech but i hated the speech because there's no way that she gets to give that speech in that setting. I didn't like that everybody was there, that, that Josh was in the front row. Like, I didn't really buy it. I didn't buy some of these other things. I bought everything with Paula. But there's no way Nathaniel would be allowed to see her, let alone be her lawyer. There are three witnesses that saw a person who would be very easily established as a stalker from his his giant, you know, storage deposit of of creepiness um holding a knife over somebody in a secluded corner away from all of the food so like it's absolutely absurd that this would end up in the situation that nathaniel would be able to see her let alone be her lawyer and that that this would go to a court this quickly with this kind of a plea like it's just it's ridiculous and that robbed a very important turning point for for rebecca and for the show of a lot of its power for me because it was so completely ridiculous in a way that their previous courtroom scenes i think haven't been the the previous courtroom scenes have really fit the 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 world of the show at least but this was just like whatever just don't think about it like that's too much of that you can't do that as your dramatic turn for the whole theoretically if it doesn't get renewed the whole series it doesn't I don't know. Is it just me? It really bothered me. No, it's not just you. I think I was bothered maybe less, but I also sort of was... I wasn't, like, pulled in by the episode enough um, overall to get, like, really, like, feel really strongly either way. Um, And so it ended up being an episode where I think they, they sacrificed narrative and character for a thematic sort of which is fine mm-hmm. um for me um the degree to which that works i think hinges for me a lot on like how like the first 
two to three episodes of a theoretical season four. Mm-hmm. Um, but the degree to which that they sacrifice character and narrative and in narrative consistency, as you were pointing out with like how their courtroom scenes function and how uh, Rebecca's allowed to make this very long, thematically appropriate, but really ridiculous speech that no one calls out there's not even a prosecutor like at the other table mm-hmm. i kept waiting like i told Audra you, Levine. I, <laughs> it was i i kept waiting for like friggin paula to come in as the prosecutor which would mm-hmm. have made no sense on like a timeline issue because she hasn't yeah. even taken she hasn't even been prepping for the bar yet and yeah. so i was like waiting for that to happen is like the big thing that leads us into season four was paula is there to prosecute rebecca and I just went, oh, that would be terrible, but also perfect for everything that Rebecca has done to this woman. Mm-hmm. I am here for that because it would make really compelling television. But then it was just like, no, I really want to. It's an extension of the I am trying to take responsibility for my actions type of thing, which has been a big part of the back half of this season. But it becomes too weirdly legal. It becomes it shortcuts the personal stuff of her whole declaration of things that she did to these three people mm-hmm. and that in turn nathaniel also did to josh yeah which gets like zero play across the episode zero play apart from oh josh punches nathaniel and nathaniel goes yeah no i did deserve that but that's the end of it it's mm-hmm. like that there's nothing else that comes from that whatsoever which is just bizarre to me that that's all we get and that was really frustrating as well as and this this goes back to again them sacrificing a lot of like good char- solid well built character stuff that they've been building up for seasons now, basically deflating and limited to how this gets focused almost exclusively on Paul and Rebecca, which I really love, but it's at the sacrifice of a lot of other things, and that I am not crazy about. Yeah, and I also um, wasn't big on and the choices then that they have. Nathaniel make and the regressions that they have him make so that he can be a counterpoint to responsibility and to Paula so that he can yeah. be arguing devil's advocate here in this episode. It doesn't help that I wasn't that thrilled with um, nothing's ever anyone's fault. That was fine. Yeah. But it's it's a cute little song that to like shift blame. But mm-hmm. that's what it is. And once that joke's over, apart from the really solid Big Bang joke, um, mm-hmm. it's it's done. Yeah, it, it's just it it's. Again, for me, for the length of the song, yeah. I need more substance in, in than what we get. And it, like, as soon as the song starts, you realize what it is, and then it just is that. For there's not any subversion of anything, and you also know that that's not how the show's going to end. That's not how the episode's going to end. Right. And so you're just waiting for the reversal that has to come, and then does once Paula comes in. Now, granted. Donald Champlin and uh, Rachel Bloom nail that in their performances. Their performances are real good, but it made it hard for me to enjoy the song when I know that, okay, this is a placeholder and then we're going to undo all of this by the end of the episode. It's not very satisfying. Yeah. 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 Much more satisfying for me was the miracle of birth, which I thought was hilarious. Oh God. And the way that they managed to write rhyme placenta with something is just, it's so it's, it's really so funny. funny. Yeah. And and the, 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 the set design, the little babies coming out of the vagina of the chair or whatever that was. Oh my god. It was and so had funny. The cut 
the cut to reactions of people in the room. Yeah. Like, Heather's whole face just collapsing of like realizing what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor, like who David Wayne, yeah. Who ostensibly should know, being like, Oh, right, no, this is all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was good. And the um they've used this joke before, but I don't care. The what man filled this out, yeah. uh, which is the same as what man did this with the ice tray for Paula yeah. Forever, which remains one of my favorite like like gifts of the entire series run is just that look at her face with the ice cube tray. Um, I, I, you know, like, yes, they've gone to that. Well, they probably shouldn't go back to it again, but it was very, <laughs> it was very well done. And such a Daryl thing to do. I did love the stuff we got at the beginning of the episode. I loved everything with, with Daryl and, and why Joe and with Heather, that was all terrific. I also I really four hours to change the name. Oh, thank God. It's <laughs> a terrible name. It's a really, really bad name. Um, I liked the stuff that we got with Rebecca and her therapy group, and uh-huh. the um, the stuff with the, the meeting with where she just comes clean with everything. I thought that was really terrific. Uh, the Paula sitting on her bed, just like amazing, amazing, so good. Like there was so much that I liked, but then. It, it, again, it felt like we were talking about this a few weeks ago. Um, it feels like they aren't ramping up to the finale. And then we had the time jump and everything, you know, made sense and was flowing. But it still feels like that needed to happen a little sooner. Because yeah. this end, again, as has happened in the past on the show, the end of the season needed more time. They yeah. didn't pace themselves quite right to be able to have this ending um, that they wanted. If they wanted that, we needed at least a little space so that we, you know, to have... Um, uh oh my goodness uh trent have been gone for longer right to show that the storage locker has been cleaned out to show like establish all these other things like that would have made uh that a lot more sense that would have worked or another time jump you know could have worked with that as well but having like and then to really show the distance with paula as well i think would have been more satisfying but it just it, it just was too rushed and too quick at the end of yep. the episode for me. Um, I don't like being so negative on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because y'all know we love it. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this finale? No, I think you've summed up everything really nicely. And yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you in terms of like the overall arc of it. It just, I didn't, it didn't register as strongly as like the season two finale did, which mm-hmm. I was very unhappy with. Yeah. Um, for a lot of the same reasons you've enumerated regarding this episode. Um, so I feel like we're, we just sort of swapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I like the season two finale. So yeah, definitely. But, um, I, what you think of them doing rather than a musical reprise, having the, the song titles show up in the dialogue, was that too cute or do you think that worked? I like it. Um, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me at all. Um, like I sort of got used to like with Trent a little bit, um, since again, he has access to all the songs and I've completely forgotten about like the Trent is getting ready song, which I watched <laughs> this week. And I just went, Oh, this is so good. Um, even though it's only like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, I like the song titles getting dropped in. It, it speaks to, again, like the, that heavier threat of meta awareness that the show has really been engaging with this season in particular. Um, how are you feeling about that? Then I thought it was fun. I liked it. Um, the scoring for or settle for me, underneath the stuff with Nathaniel and when I thought worked really well. The, the, the rug thing was too on the nose, but I thought the self me scoring, apparently he was going to do his own settle for her and it got oh. cut for time, which is good. It would have been too much. It would have been, yeah. 
I like. I'm glad they cut it. I I know it's y'all I know I love that song. It, but web extra, right? Like put it out. Yeah. They filmed it and everything. Yeah. So like let us yeah, see it. Yeah, just put but, it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Um. So I, I did like that part of it. Uh. The the last thing I will have to mention because it's amazing. Did you notice the detail of Trent's mother on the phone? No, tell me about Trent's okay. mom on the phone. Okay, so so Jeez. when they're when when uh, Rebecca and Donna uh, and uh, sorry and Paula are talking about is he here and she, and, and, and she uh, Paula shows a picture of his Instagram picture with his mom. You can't uh-huh. see it because it's kind of blurred, you know, it's not in focus. Yeah. But you can see a bright, bright blue, very uh, oh, like true a blue, yeah, turtleneck, and sort of deal. and the dark hair. Yeah. Exactly what Rebecca was wearing in the previous episode. Right. Yeah. No, that I saw. Okay, I love was that. that. Supposed to be his mom. Yeah. He, oh, that okay. was, it was a picture of him with his no. mom, meaning okay. that he picked out a dress been, for her. Like, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that I did catch. Yeah, That's why I he's so obsessed that. with with Rebecca is that she reminds him of his mom. I, I, was, I was like, oh, I love that they included that detail for like me and like the three other people who would notice the shade of blue because it was such a yeah. striking shade of blue in the previous is, episode yeah. and i think it was also like it was like a turtleneck sort of like yeah as well which is the yeah. reason i picked up on it as yeah no that was really good <laughs> anyways um thank you chris's girlfriend uh for all the wonderful things you've done this season even if we weren't as hot on the finale uh noel what wins your week in tv I'll give it to Jedi Knight and Dune this mm-hmm. week. Um, but I also rewatched the Thanksgiving episode of season three, uh, episode eight of Mad About You. And that episode's hilarious. Um, it's the one with all the turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really great. But no, uh, Jedi Knight and Doom. Uh, what about you? Um, well, uh, last week tonight came back and it was terrific. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I didn't have anything to say, but there's that one. I also liked the Legends of Tomorrow time loop episode. I also have continued to enjoy Drunk History, uh, which had another, like, their casting this season is amazing. Maslani was on this episode. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, they continue to have amazing cast. Oh, and they did, um, uh, protests for the American with Disabilities Act. We can cast oh, all nice. actors with disabilities to play people with disabilities. So that was, you know, another uh, excellent bit of casting from them. Um, uh, but, like, so any of those would win over the ones we actually talked about. But uh, <laughs> if I'm going for fiction, obviously Black Panther wins. I don't care that it's not TV. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair. It's very fair. And if I'm including everything that I watched, uh, fiction, not fiction, it's not even close. And it's the CNN town hall that they, that they did with, um, uh, the, the people, uh, students, teachers, parents from Parkland and the, the two senators and, uh, representative from Broward County from Florida, uh, as well as, uh, Drevison from the NRA and the, the local sheriff, uh, because I can watch teens and teachers and parents dunk on and shame the bullshit policies of people like Marco Rubio all day long. And I am here. I am so here for watching representatives actually be required to do their freaking job, which includes listening to their constituents. So, so brave of Rubio to come. It's like, no, it's the bare minimum. It, like, he could have not come and been cowardly, sure. But that's literally his job. That's like, yeah. it, it's literally his job to be there. So don't tell me that's brave for to do actually do your job. And he was there to make himself look good for his 2020 run. 
Anyways, uh, but yes, that CNN Town Hall is definitely the best thing I watched uh, this on TV this week. So wanted to make sure to mention it here. Uh, now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back to talk about Big Mouth Season 1. Hello? Oh, uh, good evening. Are you the puberty fairy? The f- Did you just call me the puberty fairy? I'm the hormone monster. I'm just here to give your friend a nocturnal emission. <laughs> How come in all these videos, puberty for boys is like the miracle of ejaculation? Oh no, that's the most I've ever made. And for girls, we're just a yarn ball of aching tubes. Oh my god. Last night, I saw Andrew's penis. What are you doing? Oh my god. And now you're worried you're homosexual? Nikki, a man can touch another penis. Excuse me? Even kiss one very lightly. Okay. This might be somewhat rare for you. What are you saying? That most of the time I'm going to like girls and they won't like me back, so I should seize this opportunity? Yeah, that makes sense. Everything's embarrassing. Everything is so embarrassing. There's another slit in the back, but that's only for my birthday. This kid might be a genius. Get this. Girls are horny, too. Just as horny as guys, supposedly. I have no idea what I want, you nut shit bag. You want to shoplift lipstick. You want to listen to Lana Del Rey on repeat. You want to scream at your mother and then laugh at her tears. Everything okay here, sweetie? Get the hell out, Shannon! Get out! Here goes something. Hey, girl, hey! I'm your genitals. Hi, I'm I'm Jesse. <laughs> hey, you go first. Wait, oh, we jinx. talked at the same time. Oh, you know, you're not scary. Bill! Ah. That too far. That part made me uncomfortable. Yeah, at the time it seemed funny. No, and I like f***ed up stuff like that. You know, Netflix insisted on it. Really? No. That was a trailer for season one of Netflix's Big Mouth from Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, among others. Um, we missed this one last year. Did you watch this, Noel, when it aired, when it dropped on Netflix? Yeah, we missed this one last year, but thought we would catch up with it. Certainly, um, there's another teen comedy drama out right now that's Everything Sucks, which listener Jate Man really loved and highly, highly recommends. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, have you had a chance to watch it, Everything Sucks yet? No, I haven't. Coming of age dramas in the night. This one is set now, um, but this is a centers on uh, particularly two young boys, but a set of, of tweens, middle schoolers, like sixth grade, seventh grade, um, and uh, and the the delightful joys that puberty brings with it. Um, what did you think of Big Mouth season one? It's fine. Um. <laughs> It's sort of a, this is a show that is both for Noel in some ways and is very much like not for Noel in a number of Mm -hmm. other ways Um, um, from various sort of dags um, that I just went, this is a really low point and just doesn't have any business being in a story about tweens and I'm looking at you, pillow that gets pregnant. And, but also while having a really solid uh, vocal performances from a number of people. No surprise, Maya Rudolph can voice a female hormone monster, and it just feel like a walk in the park. And it's just like, yes, I will watch that. In fact, I would like to watch an entire show about Connie, please and thank you. 
Um, yes, I, I was like, we're going to talk about Big Mouth, and I'm going to have to work really hard to not just turn it into like 20 minutes of praising Maya Rudolph for her phenomenal voice work as the whole so monstrous. She's it's really so good. good. Yeah. Um, but the, the rest of the show just sort of like dips in and out of like sex comedy is something that really either works for me or doesn't. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of these instances, it just sort of doesn't. Um, which speaks more so to, about like my humor sensibilities than this than the show's execution of those. Um, so that was always like a little bit of a barrier that I just sort of had to like kind of plow through for a little bit. But then like sort of the meta humor about A being on Netflix or like the closing joke of the entire series being like, oh, well, well, the entire season, I should say, like, well, this is something that veers dangerously close to child child porn well we can get away with it if it's animated and it's sort of like that's funny but at the same time i didn't think about that and oh oh i'm not sure how i feel about the show now oh you guys you guys maybe stepped a line somewhere so this was not something i like liked liked a great deal um i liked certain episodes pretty solidly um head push probably being the standout episode i think of the entire season but overall, it just wasn't something that rocked my wheelhouse a great deal. Um, how did you feel about it? I liked this more than you did. Okay. Um, I also, I was anticipating that I would be the Debbie Downer. Um, okay. Nope, but... that's me this week. Because <laughs> I know a lot of people like this much more yes. than either of us. But a lot of people yeah. just really spoke to them and to their experience. And this doesn't speak at all <laughs> to my teen experience. Not even a little bit. Um, so so that there, I don't have that personal connection with it that I know a lot of other people who've, who've watched this do. I do think the, the writing is pretty creative. Um, the... The voice acting is real good, and the casting yeah. is is terrific. Kristen Bell voices that pillow. Um, you talked about the head push episode, and having Daniel be voiced by Zach Woods is just just is perfect. I was like, who is that? Who is that? <gasps> it's Zach Woods. Ah, oh, that's so perfect as like the the woke theater guy, high school theater guy, who's actually a total slime ball and. Oh God, he does such a good job with that. Um, across the board, I thought they did a good job with uh, the different issues that they try to tackle, and and you know very specific experiences of that time. The uh, you know the one character who gets her first period on a field trip wearing white shorts. <laughs> the the character um, in the pilot, one of the 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 teen boys or tween boys, I should say, sees accidentally sees his friend naked, and then there's varying different stages of puberty, which leads to a lot of tension in their dynamic out of, you know, born out of insecurity. I think the the hormone monsters overall work really well. I think some of the other characters are less successful. Coach Steve is a bit of a, too much of a one joke. What the hell? Yeah. I don't understand why that character is here at all. Yeah, they, 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 he's a very convenient way to get around some, some things like their field trip when they did school. Um, and there's a couple things like that that he does, but, um, that one, that character didn't work as well for me. I liked most of the parents. Um, but I also had trouble with when we got to the end of the season, I felt like they escalated and intensified too much too quickly. Um, I thought this show was more successful for me when it was more based on their day-to-day experiences and less on um, having, like, this massive 
crisis family crisis dramas uh specifically with jesse um, and, and her parents and 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 her bat mitzvah and all of that um so having um having all that come to a head in the way that you would expect a season finale to do uh didn't work for me as well as i i would have anticipated based on how well they handled earlier issues uh, or at the beginning of the season, uh, were there any uh, particular characters that you thought were more successful that you liked more, or like you said, certain episodes were standouts? Uh, were which which ones spoke to you more? Uh so episode wise, like the head push, which we mentioned, I think works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, for a Zach Wood's performance is like really, really good, but like the the sort of like representation of the kids, the tweens, and the teens, sort of navigating this particular discourse is really good and it's one of those instances where a more sort of um adult air quotes quotes, sort of conversation about consent but also about um the horrors of actually asking for something in bed Mm -hmm. um and like um the john mulaney's character uh andrew going like oh god no never <laughs> um, that sounds horrifying. Um, I'll just never have that happen ever, and that's because then I don't have to ask, and then we don't yeah. have to have the conversation. <laughs> right? Is yeah. is like this is this that stands in contrast in terms of like this is a this is a something like kids should consent issues is definitely something even tweens should be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also sort of a awareness of the the awkwardness of those conversations that I think is be that feels beyond the the character's age which was like a big issue that i had with the whole pregnant pillowcase of like this is something that as a tween i really have issues grappling with that we're having this whole pregnancy storyline with a pillow with a tween and it's just like this is a weird conversation to be having about this thing that is a little outside his age range, theoretically speaking, mm-hmm. that it just sort of like creates a much larger disconnect. And a, the way that they want to get to that is just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's the head push and the whole discussion around that, I think is where the show fires really on all cylinders and uses everything to its advantage really, really nicely. Um, even if it also does involve massive amounts of underage drinking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I talked about this not being my experience. I'm talking to somebody who had her first drink of non-like church wine alcohol at 20. I had a shot yeah. when I was 20 and at, at like a good a going away party for some friends who are graduating. Oh, wow, we, and, we both drank really late. And then so I, I and then one, after that, yeah. 21, like. In the yeah. I was tw- my twenty first birthday was in the Czech Republic, so yeah. we had a lot. It was fun. We had a good time, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like so, like this. That's so not my scene yeah. at all. Um, so I can't speak to accuracy because I'm sure there are people that that is absolutely their high right. school and middle school experience. Yeah. But like, was not mine either. I like you. I didn't have any alcohol until I was not even like church wine because my my mother was lapsed Catholic. We didn't go to church. At in the south that do- um, and, and that doesn't count listeners and that doesn't count because it's, 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 ba- it's basically just um, grape juice no it's, yeah, just it's, also it's just watered down and it's just yeah um yeah. but yeah i didn't have any alcohol until i was like i want to say 19 mm-hmm. um so like uh 
alcohol just wasn't a presence and i also didn't get invited to parties i didn't go to lots. parties yeah, yeah so was just i like, had clubs not parties yeah <laughs> <laughs> so That's... yeah so head push i think really worked well um unlike you i liked a lot of the exploration of jesse's parents but i wanted more of it so that it felt mm-hmm. more fleshed out for yeah when it eventually collapses and we end up with them running away uh, with jesse and jay running away together which i liked how that sort of came about again mm-hmm. but it like you said it just needs like so much more space to have happen and breathe and so i liked the idea of this and like her parents like having a larger role but and especially a more developed space than either of the other sets of well any of the other sets of parents who are basically just one note sort of jokes even if some of those jokes are very very good while other of the jokes are just very very lazy mm-hmm. no i yeah because i did like what we got but we it needed more flushing out like you said it happened yeah. too quickly right at the end and you know with this many characters they weren't gonna really give it the time it needed um yeah uh, and, and if you're, you're from the perspective of jesse then it makes sense that we're not seeing it but then that would have been more interesting this if we were seeing at least in my point uh in, in my opinion um i did really like um i liked the the field trip one <laughs> was funny um i liked the handling of the different relationship dynamics and everyone else's obsession with their dating. I yeah. very much enjoyed Andrew Reynolds as Matthew. Um, yeah, can we talk about Matthew? Yeah, let's talk about Matthew. Because I also love Matthew a lot. I think Matthew's probably, like, my favorite character on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have so many questions about why the show is obsessed with heterosexual prepubescence. Yeah. And they have this terrific gay character right there, and they're just like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. We have a whole episode of Am I Gay? And the embrace, the embracing, embracing of the, the exploration of the question and the figuring that out is really lovely. But then it's also, but then it just calls so much attention to the fact that this side character gets nothing yeah, whatsoever. And I'm just like, but, but, but this character right here, everyone. <laughs> well, it's a show that's very much focused on uh puberty and 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 awakening sex drives and and right. and and other how that interacts with everything else that you know comes with with being a tween um and so every single character every single young character has a a very close focus on their progression through puberty and awakening sexuality right. and other yes. things except for Matthew. Right. And so is he are we supposed to take him as not having a sex drive in any meaningful way or is does he have his own hormone monster? Does he have it completely fully fleshed out like dating life off screen? We have no way and of knowing. I have to assume that he does cuz Matthew's just on it. He's, He's like, just- yeah. <laughs> he's on top of everything but yeah. then but he, then you fall into that character who's the the gay sidekick who's there to right. like be sassy t- to be sassy and to like teach and like guide by the hand the confused straight people or the yeah. the you know and buck up the to be the sassy gay friend for the female lead which he does that with jesse in the science fair episode mm-hmm. so like yeah. there's it's it's a really fun performance and fun character, but it it is right on that edge. Even down to like the costuming for him and everything, it's it's very much 
a uh, a, a a type. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it can't also Matthew can't also be a very interesting developed character. These are pretty much all types. Everybody right. on the show. This but, is why, like, I make like side eyes at like um, uh, Andrew's parents who are just like so broad and terrible. See, uh, oh, Andrew's parents. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, Andrew's yeah. parents, not Nick's parents. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yes, yes, they are very broad. The show is not interested in in nuance with pretty really any of the adults aside from Jesse's mom. Jesse's dad gets a little bit that one episode, but that's 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 pretty much it. Well, you're not wrong in your uh, discomfort and lack of comfort with some of these topics being explored, and like the the show's use of um, animation to skirt around things. I do think it lets them have conversations uh, about and with tweens that that work well. And also, what it lets you do is it lets you have characters that actually look the age that they are instead of casting 16-year-olds to play or 17-year-olds sure. to play 13 and, you know, someone who's voiced by significantly older characters. Oh yeah. Actors. Yes, <laughs> but as someone who works with kids every week who spends a lot of time with with young kids, it's kind of refreshing while also horrifying that they actually look like kids. You know, I yeah. appreciate that. And I, and I can appreciate that too. So it, it's just one of those weird sort of reconciliation things that don't really, I can't really like get the line get them up. streams to cross and the neurons yeah. line up. Yeah. And, and for me, it was this question of are, is what we're seeing all age appropriate for 12 year olds, 13 year olds? No. Like, well, like for, I'm sure it is for some yeah. people's experiences, but it, it it did feel a bit like like and again, listeners, let us know if this if this spoke to you. But it did seem like having everyone, especially once they uh, moved Jesse and Missy further along on on their journeys towards you know being more sexually awakened and and aware and all that stuff. Um, that then there it seemed like everybody was in the same place, and that didn't ring as very true to teen and tween progression you know what i mean like 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 uh when you you know a, a someone in middle school and they, they uh <laughs> they like grow a foot in two weeks and all of a sudden like it can go real fast <laughs> and, yeah. and it, but but then you you have as they show so well on for example uh, fresh off the boat you've got the one kid who's like tiny next to the person who looks like like they're two three feet taller and total like growing a beard already you know like that is a more accurate representation i think and they they didn't really do that here um i wonder if that's something that they will do next season or if they will continue taking like pushing more towards the storylines for 15 year olds but given to 13 year olds yeah, that'll be an interesting question to see because they have a second season that'll air sometime this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'll be curious to see, like if the characters literally grow. Yeah, and like I mean, just from a sort of like production standpoint, that's like an issue of like, well, mm-hmm. now we have to create new character models and we have to like animate new character models and figure out clothes and all this sort of stuff that we don't have to do when they all stay the same age. It's why Bart Simpson has been. Yeah. However old Bart Simpson is for 20 something years. Yeah. Um, in part for that reason. But this mm-hmm. is a show that's about growing up that if they don't grow up, it's really weird, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and as to like the universality of it, which is sort of like a 
a little bit of a thing. It's like one of the things to like, I, I don't want to say keep in mind, but it speaks to the sort of like very singular sort of voice is that this is very much based on Kroll and Andrew Goldberg's own experiences growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that informs a lot of this of where they were growing up in somewhere in like outside the city, obviously outside New York City. And how much of that is like they're drawing on for this, which to me speaks a little bit more to the specificity of Nick and Andrew, where Jesse and um, Missy, oh goodness, well, Missy sort of end up feeling like slightly vaguer sometimes. Yeah. Um, apart from like the big moments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it feels very like guy driven in some ways that I'm just like, but but Missy and Missy Missy and Missy and Jesse are just so delightful. <laughs> and also really good vocal performances from Jenny Slate and from uh Jesse Klein. Yeah. So yeah. The last thing I, I need to make sure we touch on is yeah. that romance novel that they do. Oh, Rock of Gibraltar. Rock of Gibraltar and Gustavo, which is just Gustavo hilarious and wonderful i love the little dots in their eyes every yeah. time i thought that was hilarious and super yes. fun um did you were there any other recurring bits like that or, or particular you know um, ideas that that right. you hope return i i really enjoyed the rock and Gibraltar stuff and a how that kind of kept coming up but b the sheer ridiculousness of that mm-hmm. book and everything in it but then how it feeds into like a larger conversation i really appreciate it um, but I think like the runner I really enjoyed was stop quoting your dad's law firm commercials. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> I I like that that just kept going. Yeah, and th- that it just kept escalating a little bit. Um, so that I really really loved. Um, mm-hmm. and I kind of like kept waiting for it to happen. And this speaks again to like the show's like meta awareness of its like crutches or tropes that yeah. it's like building into itself that I really enjoyed. And so, yeah, so I want a continuation of sort of the meta-ness. Like, I enjoyed, like, episode four, like, having a big pause of, like, you've been binging this. I can't wait for you to get episode five. It's very <laughs> sex positive. I'm just like, this is very good. Um, uh, let's see. what The only other thing I will say mm-hmm. is Maurice, the male hormone monster. Yeah. I don't know why you just don't go ahead and get Will Arnett. And instead of having Nick Kroll do a Will Arnett impression. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a very good Will Arnett impression. Yeah. But I feel like you just get Will Arnett to do it and you're covered. (laughs) Yeah, if if, if I'm Will Arnett, how do I take that? Yeah, exactly. Is that a compliment? Is that like like, comments? But like, why didn't you then just hire me to put on this voice? That's clearly a voice he puts on, and not how he usually speaks. Yes, it's like should I feel like y'all are ripping me off here because you you didn't pay me for this this voice that I definitely created for Joe? Yeah, Um, and and other similar characters that he's played but yeah no that's 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 good i did have to look it up i was like i did too i this thought has, I, yeah i thought it was will arnett and then they just went no it's nick crawl and i just went hmm, but why I have questions <laughs> um yeah but yeah no closing thought for me is how rudolph is a national treasure yeah and regardless of what she does and this is this is just further proof of that <laughs> and i will watch every episode of big mouth 
if if, if she's still on the show, I will yeah. keep watching for anything <laughs> else, just so that I can see more more of her as yeah as as Connie. And I love it's Maurice and then Connie. You know, yeah, the the, the hormone monstrous. So yeah, and I like yeah. that that gets established like really early because you see a Connie tattoo on Maurice's arm in like episode one or two. Yeah, Connie's even shown up, and I just went, oh. I want to know about that. And then, mm-hmm. oh, it's Maya Rudolph. I, yep. I'm good. Here for it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, do you recommend this show? Should people seek um, it out? I, it's one of those situations where if I was super familiar with someone's particular tastes and I mm-hmm. knew that this would hit, I would recommend it in a heartbeat for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as sort of a blanket recommendation, no, probably not. Um, okay. Just from like a personal like perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Um, not a me show overall. So I wouldn't, but I think that you probably would. Well, it depends. Like, I think that yeah. if you're interested by our conversation, seek yeah. it out. And I think yeah, you'll yeah. know pretty quickly if this yeah. is a you episode. Like, it, it has its tone and its point of view right away. It's established right away. And, and if you're, if you're watching the first episode, you're like, eh, I don't really. It's not like it changes or like, it, like yeah. it, it has different comfort you can even just read the descriptions of the episodes and watch yeah. like because there are several episodes that are about like a significant moment in that character's development or, or yeah. like personal journey this will be a traumatizing moment <laughs> this we'll talk about this later this is that moment um that we're gonna laugh about from middle school later um so so if you you know like maybe read the episode descriptions find an episode uh topic that that interests you watch that one if you like it watch the rest and if you're like mm, not for me then then skip then skip it but uh there's a lot here to like it just like you said this isn't really a kate show but yeah. i can appreciate the things that it does well yeah and if you're thinking about just checking it out at least watch the head push which i think is a really good episode um the everybody bleeds episode is like mm-hmm. The one Kate was mentioning is solid. Um, Girls are horny twos generally. All right, that's the reference to Gibraltar. Um, <laughs> I think those are probably the three like strongest episodes. I do not recommend the finale, which I had just like it went way too far mm-hmm. in a zany sort of vein for me that didn't fit with like the rest of the show. Yeah, but um, those three episodes, I think uh, everybody bleeds. Girls are horny two and the head push. I think are ones that. I can recommend. I would recommend, and if I were like teaching a show about sexual representations in media, I yeah. would pick one of those to show in a heartbeat without yeah. even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great recommendation. Absolutely. Okay, well, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org. Leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV and what you think of Big Mouth. You can also email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. You can find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed, and we're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. It helps other people find the show and lets us know that you're actually listening, which is which is fun. Um, you can also, of course, uh, find us on Facebook, like the page, start up a conversation there. And then we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, Kate. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. 